What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm never going to pronounce those that combination of words in the same order. I'm your host, of course, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing on this fine, fine evening tonight? I am great, and I love the way you vary your emphasis. I think it it keeps things spicy and interesting. Hey, I had a I had a question for you, by the way. Okay, I know you had a kind of a frustrating outing last night uh, in your fantasy game. You know, really struggled to contain Clayton Keller, not getting a lot of production from anyone not named Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, when you're when you're getting frustrated, do you really do you think it's a good idea to go into the Discord chat and kind of let everyone know how frustrated you are? I'm just curious your thoughts on this. <laughs> I, I I yes I whoa am whoa a whoa big whoa fan. no need to get no need to get so pissy <laughs> with me Ben oh you're doing pissy you're calling me Leon Drysaddle are you? Well, yeah, you're you're the second greatest fantasy hockey podcast uh, on the air right now. Okay, so yeah, w- tell the folks about Leon's uh, Leon's interview today. Yeah, so if you if you were not uh, very online today, uh, we had a lovely interview um, where you know Leon basically just wanted to brush off some some uh, questions. It was Jim. Was it Jim Matheson? It was. Uh, yeah, he was kind of. Uh, it seemed like he was trying to lead, uh, you know, a fine question, like about what Leon thinks the biggest struggle for the Oilers are. But it's also, you know, he's obviously going to give the non-answer. He's not going to say, oh, it's our goaltending. It really sucks. <laughs> um, you know, and Matheson didn't really like, obviously, uh, not being able to get a nice quotable response from him and kind of went off on him and asked him why he was being pissy and we all sort of got to enjoy Drysidle giving a little smirk, like, you know, I don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> Get out of here with this nonsense. I've had it. So, uh, yeah, kind of uh, an interesting little interaction there. Is that our first curse word is since, like, 2020? Since I Oh, dropped my gosh. One? We let one slip through. Sorry, Brian. All right, uh, Lewis, let's get into the show. We have a lot to talk about tonight, and we are going to start, as we always do, with COVID-19, I think famously our favorite topic to discuss. Uh, Tonight, not so much wanting to discuss uh, updates to the COVID lists around the league. Instead, I want to talk about the NHL updating its COVID protocol following the All-Star game. The league will no longer test asymptomatic, fully vaccinated players. Um, obviously, I don't really want to get into the merits of this plan. I think we've all argued about COVID-19 enough outside of the fantasy hockey realm. Um, ideally, though, this in, in terms of fantasy purposes, this should result in fewer COVID postponements, hopefully fewer players hitting the COVID-19 uh, list. Hopefully, it also doesn't lead to significant significant outbreaks but i guess just like the government the nhl is ready to throw its hands up and give up the battle to try and keep covid out of locker rooms Uh, elliot friedman says the nhl is expecting to release a major schedule update tomorrow it'll be interesting to see if this includes the many games that need to be rescheduled if we're just going to get a lump sum of new games hitting the schedule and whether or not that could change the olympic break Apparently, it doesn't matter to Yahoo either way. Yahoo added a disclaimer last week announcing that Week 16 will remain a four-week matchup with no changes to the ad limits, uh, which I hate, obviously, and I guess is just a, it's worth being forewarned about. Lewis, do you have any takes on the, the many COVID-19 updates going on in the NHL right now? 
Sure. So I think the number one thing is, uh, I think you're totally right that the big thing we want to make sure we don't see is major outbreaks, especially if it results in players, uh, you know, having symptomatic uh, experience with COVID. I understand where they're coming from in terms of feeling like, you know, we are elite athletes, we're very healthy, we do not have many, if any at all, comorbidities. So I understand their frustration with seeing so many games postponed. And also it has certainly seemed uh, you know, a little haphazard in terms of how many players need to be out and that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I think this is a good thing for the league in terms of keeping games going and not having a bunch of postponements. And I am cautiously optimistic that, you know, these players aren't going to have any, you know, long-term negative ramifications from getting sick, but uh, I don't love the message that it sends necessarily. It definitely, you know, this is a league that is trying to, you know, not experience the catastrophic loss of money that they had last season. Um, and, you know, we'll leave it at that. As far as Yahoo goes, you know, that is going to make for a very interesting period. I worry a little bit that, you know, people fall behind and suddenly there's like a month of fantasy hockey where three of the weeks you're just kind of playing catch up. You don't have any moves to make. Uh, so I'm hoping that Yahoo will do something with that. There certainly has been a lot of, I'm sure, an outpouring of, of people requesting changes. But as of right now, it seems like it's kind of set in stone. You know, Yahoo sort of seems like uh, they get the season underway and it's like a boulder rolling down a mountain. There's nothing that really can stop or change it. But we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, if there are significant updates with Yahoo, we will let you know, as that is probably, uh, well, it's certainly among the most popular platforms. Uh, so yeah, we'll just, uh, see where things go from there. But yeah, I think the, the fantasy world agrees. We would love to avoid a four week matchup, uh, with only one move on average per week, I think, or, or I guess it depends on your league settings. In the cupful, that would result in four moves over four weeks. I think that would be, uh, tough to deal with, especially in the age of COVID. Yes, I think it's it's clear now as much as it's always been that Yahoo does not care about fantasy hockey. Uh Lewis, let's hop into the player news and I think we want we both are excited to talk about Pittsburgh where the Penguins are finally healthy for the first time all season and they finally rolled out last year's top power play uh Malkin, Crosby, Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, Chris Letang, bumping Evan Rodriguez down to line three, power play two, uh, on a third line with Jeff Carter and Dominic Simone. Carter's been up and down the lineup this year, and a little bit more so than Rodriguez. And now he's getting that same deployment, except for he put up two assists and six shots in Tuesday night's game from that spot, whereas Evan Rodriguez had his lowest time on ice in more than a month, more than two months, rather, and did not put up any peripherals to write home about. Uh, Jeff Carter still on pace for 56 points this season and shooting about three shots a game. Really impressive season from the 37-year-old so far. Uh, Rodriguez has obviously been a revelation in Pittsburgh. Two weeks ago, he was pacing for 75 points, and we were already 33 games into the season. Um, he's been cold, though, the past two weeks. No points in his last five. Down to earth a little bit with a 65-point pace on the season now, which which definitely seems a lot more reasonable to me. The latest lines seem like a blow to his outlook. Uh, Rodriguez is still rostered in 71% of Yahoo leagues. Carter is just under 40%, while Kasperi Kapanen and Jason Zucker, who each put up a pair of points last night from line two with Evgeny Malkin, are available in more than 80% of Yahoo leagues each. 
Lewis, I'm wondering if it's worth holding on to Rodriguez or Carter. And if not, are you swapping them out for KK or Zucker? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because this is a significant change. And I think if people move quickly, they can really improve their situation. I really want to have the folks lining up with Malkin. I think that makes that second line dangerous in a way that it wasn't nearly as much earlier on in the season. Uh, he really seems to have come back uh, as a real force and and clearly seems to be uh, quite healthy. Um, I'll start with Rodriguez. This is sort of a situation that reminds me of what we just saw happen with uh, Jeremy Swayman. You know, Rodriguez came in and, you know, found himself in a spot where he was filling in. He did about as good as he possibly could have been expected to do in that role, just like Swayman did. But the situation changed. Uh, you know, Rask came in in Boston, and we'll probably mention him a little bit later. Um and, you know, Swayman was then sent down and he's hopeful that he can get back up if he, you know, proves to be the best option to help Boston win games. Same thing with Rodriguez, you know, uh, as, as great as he was, he was playing probably a little bit over his head. And certainly now that his deployment has changed, uh, I really think it changes his outlook. Anyone who picked him up obviously benefited immensely, uh, from the extremely cheap price that they paid. But, uh, it seems like that, that, uh, prime run is going to be over moving forward. Um, so yes, I would be definitely ready to move on from Rodriguez. I think I'm ready to move on from Carter too. He did get those uh, two points. One of his assists was on an empty net goal from Crosby at the end of the game. That's not his typical, uh, that's not his typical line mate. Um, so I actually am into the idea of swapping them for Kapanen or Zucker. Um, I, grabbed Kapanen uh, in the cookupful, uh, and I'm pretty pleased to have him, although I foolishly sat him last night to bring Rust back in, and Kapanen had a goal and an assist. Rust didn't really produce anything, but he was so scorching, it was hard to, to leave him on the bench, and it was my only option by 10 o'clock. Looking at this group, um, I know Zucker had the two goals last game, but he's been out for a little bit, so I wonder if it might. I mean, he hit the ground running, clearly, but... Um, you know, I'm not as confident maybe in his conditioning. I think I would say uh, my list would be Kapanen at the top. He's really showed some good chemistry uh, with Malkin, uh, Zucker second, uh, Carter third, and Rodriguez fourth in the pecking order. And I would definitely be swapping out Rodriguez or Carter for Kapanen or Zucker while those fellas are available, because I think those roster numbers are going to start to change pretty significantly. I think they're going to start to exchange, basically. So I definitely, you know, we talked about the Pens top power play a few weeks ago, and I was on the, I was on board with uh, Rodriguez is going down as soon as Evgeny Malkin comes back, and that has been the case. I'm not ready to drop Rodriguez in all leagues, though. He's just been so good, and honestly, if it's not that I think that. Um, I, it's not that I think he can be a force from the third line necessarily, but I think he can be good at least and worth holding on to in 14 team leagues. You know, he's shooting a lot. Uh, the second power play seems to be decent. And honestly, if Pittsburgh struggles or slows down at all, could we see a Brian Rust move down to line two and, and they start to mix things up? Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the top line get shaken up again down the road. So I, Personally, I would be holding on to Rodriguez for a few games just to see how things shake out once uh, once the sort of adrenaline of getting everyone back in the lineup wears off. Uh, Jason Zucker's just been so mid for so long that to me, he's the 
clear number four of the group. I think uh, Carter and Kapanen are kind of interchangeable. I'd probably go Kapanen. Um, and then, I, I, yeah, I think I would hold on to Rodriguez. And maybe I'm I'm too slow acting, and and that's going to that would that's going to bite me. But for me, I, I prefer Rodriguez. Lewis, let's jump over to Los Angeles next, where we can finally talk about a player who uh, who I know is near and dear to your heart. Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've talked before about how I had Peterson to start the season and swapped him over for Jonathan Quick. But I think the time has come to swap back to the other side. Uh, so, you know, we've talked about, obviously, the great start that Quick has. I don't need to, to restate all of that stuff. Um, really quick has struggled lately. He started just three of the last six games, um, you know, after he had had a stretch where he started nine out of 10. So obviously, uh, things were already starting to slide in that direction. And he's had two really bad starts in those three starts, uh, an 842 and then a grisly 647 save percentage on Monday against the Sharks, leaving a lot of folks who started him, like myself, uh, feeling pretty pessimistic about their chances this week. Uh, he did have a quality start against Pittsburgh in there, which I thought was a pretty impressive go. Um, but he's had three or more goals against Quick has in five of his last seven starts. He's looked really poor in contrast to the heater Peterson has been on, where he's had three straight quality starts with one or zero goals against. Now, he has a tougher matchup Thursday against Tampa Bay, which uh, will start after we have recorded this show. Uh, so obviously we'll know how he managed to hold up, but I think even, you know, a sub average, but not catastrophic start should be enough to secure the bulk of the starts moving forward. Obviously this can all change, but I think, uh, you know, the, it, it's just like we saw earlier in the season, we've seen Peterson, you know, really start to take charge and string together a series of nice, uh, games in a row. This is an LA team that I think people are starting to, you know, if they weren't already coming around on them, uh, they should be by now. This is a pretty decent team. Uh, and they're not even fully healthy right now. I've got Adrian Kempe off of that top line with COVID-19. And I think, uh, I have follows off too. Like there's just a lot of plugs right now. So, you know, uh, I think this is a team that can be really good and that, uh, Peterson or whoever the goalie is, if they are playing, you know, even half decent is worth holding on to. But I think it's going to be Peterson getting the bulk of the moves moving forward. Uh, if you are looking for permission to drop quick, I think you have it. I went ahead and did it. Uh, to get Peterson playing. So uh, I think he is he is the guy right now. He's proven that um, he has the hot hand, and I think that's who the coaching staff is going to want to stick with. Ayafalo is back in the lineup. I think it's just Kempe that's missing in that top six. Uh, interestingly, um, you didn't mention the man who destroyed Jonathan Quick's uh, fantasy relevance, which is Timo Meyer. Five goals on six shots. Uh, I, at one point, I think Jonathan Quick was six for 12 on the evening, which is like a hot night in the NBA uh, or like a hot <laughs> half in the NBA. But, uh, I, at this point, I feel like, uh, Timo Meyer is to Jonathan Quick's fantasy managers as, uh, as Mark Andre Fleury's stick save is to Mike Babcock's coaching career. Uh, Lewis, nice. we're going to hop quickly over to Denver, where Darcy Kemper is currently day to day. He was pulled last night in the game against Minnesota after Jordan Greenway looked to, appeared to take a bit of a cheap shot at him. Uh, concussion spotters pulled him from the game. Kemper did not leave voluntarily. Uh, Pavel Francouz comes in in relief, earns the win, and is now potentially in line for the starters' workload if Kemper misses significant time. 
Frankie really hasn't settled in since coming back from injuries that have kept him sidelined since before the COVID shutdown, but he did look good in relief Monday. I think this is, you know, more than anything, you're just keeping your eye on Twitter, seeing if there's an announcement, and if he is starting, probably worth streaming in if you need goaltending help. Yeah, unlike the Oilers, uh, which, you know, we could count on at the start of the year to, like, to at least get you a win, if nothing else. Uh, you know, Colorado is really uh, firing on at least most cylinders here. Uh, they've been pretty, they've been pretty quality. So, um, I think that you definitely want their goalie if you're trying to get wins. Uh, and he should be decent for rates. You know, again, we haven't really seen him settle in and maybe achieve at his ceiling, but you know, uh, he's been decent enough that on a high powered team like Colorado that can score five or six on any given night, uh, you should be in pretty good shape for a W. Lewis, we need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we have a couple of streaks to talk about. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, I'm going to send the ball over your way. I want you to start us off in the shift segment of our show. All right. Well, both players that I want to talk about have just really been uh, struggling shooting the puck lately. And I want to start in Seattle with Jordan Eberle, who's actually doing all right for points overall. He does have seven points in the last 11 games. Um, but only two assists in the last six and has been really struggling with his shooting. Only one goal in the last 14 games uh, with 29 shots since his last goal. Now, obviously, that's not going to hold. Some of these are going to find their way in. But, you know, Seattle just has been pretty unimpressive offensively lately. And I worry that, you know, they're starting to take some of these kind of shots for the sake of taking shots just to sort of get things going uh, offensively. Um, you know, uh, Everly GMs, I'm sure we're hoping for a little more after the line one power play one forward started hot, including an early November hat trick, but just really hasn't been seeing it for the last month or so. Jared McCann has been solid lately, so hopefully Everly can start converting a bit more uh, or at least get on, on a few more assists and kind of keep that point total going. Um, but this is someone that I've got my eye on. I'm still holding him for the time being um, because I do think, you know, again, uh, 29 shots since his last goal. If, if one or two of these had gotten through, we maybe wouldn't be talking about him. But it is a little worrying just because Seattle has not been uh, very interesting offensively. And, you know, I think we, we hope for a little more from him, especially after his pretty hot start to the year. Yeah, it's an interesting player to sort of talk about as a streak because, like you said, it's not really the box score uh, numbers that are concerning me it's more so just like seattle's downturn as a team just looking with lackadaisical looking like a team that you do not really want any fantasy assets from i was super keen not to repeat my mistakes and wanted to grab jared mccann wanted to grab jordan eberle uh in a couple of leagues and they were really cheap so it's not like i went out and paid this premium but overall i, I was kind of thinking like man I, it took me too long to adjust when vegas was good i don't want to be making the mistake and missing out on the guys who are driving the bus in seattle because obviously you know top line top power play anywhere in the nhl has some opportunity has some potential uh, I'm really not loving what I'm seeing in Seattle lately, and I, I still think Eberly and McCann, those two in particular, should be fine, even if they go on on slumps, and maybe you do stream them out, maybe you do stream them in. I, I don't see them as being must-holds across shallow leagues, or I, I think they're, they're waiver-wire plus guys in a lot of spots, and that's okay, but they're just not must-holds, and they're probably not league winners like we had hoped. 
All right. Uh, I don't know if we're ready to truly call this a hot streak, but I think anything compared to being in the total deep freeze for this player counts, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about him. How about we head over to Montreal and talk about point streak Jeff Petrie? Yeah, let's hop out of the deep freeze and into the Petri dish and talk about (laughs) Jeff, uh, who has two points in his last two games, including the first goal of the season and the first power play point of his season in the three games since returning to the lineup. With those two points, he has now doubled his season total up to four points in 30 games. Petrie also led Montreal D-men in power play time on ice, which I think is a bit of a red herring more than anything else. Montreal has been, as they've long done, splitting their top power play unit uh, deployment. But I think at this point, it's very clear that one unit is better than the other, and it's the unit that Jeff Petrie is not on. Typically, when you're picking a guy who you want to be on Montreal, you want to get somebody on the top power play. You want to get the guy who's playing with Nick Suzuki, Mike Hoffman, Tyler Toffoli, who I only discovered as I was prepping this segment, who is back tonight. Two, three weeks ahead of schedule. So Tyler Toffoli back in the lineup. I would be reaching into the waiver wire in deeper leagues, 14-team leagues. You should be looking to see if Tyler Toffoli is available. Um, And basically, the issue with Jeff Petrie is that he's playing with the power play two scrubs. Uh, Basically... Montreal cycled Chris Weidman and Ben Sherratt with the top group, and that's why one of them didn't eclipse Petrie in power play time on ice. But Petrie is not getting top power play deployment, and at this point, I really don't see what is going to happen to give him that. It is not the points, therefore, that make me raise an eyebrow toward Petrie's recent play. I'm more interested in the fact that he's actually had decent peripherals in the last two games. Four shots, eight hits, three blocks, not useless, which is what Petrie was before the injury. Uh, So he's starting to get added in deep leagues. I'm not sure people should be jumping onto that bandwagon unless it's because of the, unless you're in a bangers league and he offers a bit of a peripheral floor that you're not not adding him and then getting a bunch of zeros because he he goes cold again. Um, And, you know, the upside is there if they do decide to give him a bit more of an offensive rope then then hey you've already got him on your lineup because he's getting your peripherals and all of a sudden you have you know at least a you would you would hope a decent like number four defenseman number three maybe in a bangers league you could see that as his new ceiling so that's what's up with jeff petrie and uh yeah i'm i'm not excited about jeff petrie i will not let him hurt me again lewis yeah, still not certainly what owners were looking for when they drafted him after his his great year last year, but you like to see that he at least is providing something and he might be the kind of guy that, you know, has been dropped enough that uh he could be reasonably widely available and give you some useful production uh, in a way that he really hasn't so far this year. And, you know, if you were not the person who drafted him, then you are excited to have a, a free shot at getting something positive in your lineup from him when he, you know, really was, was doing nothing for the, for the folks who picked him up to start the season. Uh, let's jump over to St. Louis and talk about uh, one more, cold player and i might sneak in an extra one at the end here uh, but i want to talk about uh, david perron um folks who grabbed perron were looking brilliant at the start of the year he busted out of the gate scoring six goals with two assists in his first five games he's really managed to keep the assists going that's mostly what has buoyed his point totals um but he just has been ice cold shooting the puck managing just two goals in the last 21 games 
just like I was talking about with Everly, the, the shooting is not sustainable. Those two goals are coming on 42 shots. Um, so, you know, there's certainly going to be some regression coming in terms of that shooting percentage, but it also means that he's averaging only two shots a game over those 21 games compared to the four shots a game during the early hot run over five games. So, uh, it, we, you know, probably didn't expect him to keep shooting for a game, uh, after that early hot run, but it really has, has come down quite a bit. Now, uh, he's got no points in the last four. He's down on line three with Brandon Saad and Logan Brown. We do have Pavel Bushnevich coming back. And Ben, you and I have kind of talked about this a fair amount that we feel like getting anyone in the Blues top nine right now, the way they are rolling has been a really positive thing for your lineup. Uh, even with this cold streak, given, you know, the shooting rate and the inability to convert, is David Perron someone you're still interested in if he is a line three guy? And do you think that line three deployment is going to last? I'm not really, I think the blues to me are, are basically like worrying about the blues deployment is like worrying about Carolina's deployment or, uh, yeah, it's just like. If your guy is on line two one game, he's probably going to be on line one the next and then line three the next. And in in St. Louis in particular, no matter where players are up and down the lineup, they're just performing. So Perron going cold is is not great. But overall, I'm I'm staking myself to him because of his recent history. And he he looked so good last year as an 85-point player. He came out the gate so strong this year, returning from a couple of injuries and a COVID-19 diagnosis. So I have I have rope for, for David Perron. I'm not going to cut him out of my roster this quickly. Um, four games is, is nothing in deep leagues. In shallow leagues, yeah, I, I don't have a problem sort of streaming him out if you're able to find somebody who's going to put up 65 points or whatever. You know, if he, if he is a 65 point guy that's not bad in in most leagues either it just is not quite the ceiling that we were expecting um and yeah i'm very interested to see how things how things turn out when the blues do get healthy uh again soon they have a very crowded uh forward group so i i'm curious to see sort of what happens and especially they're they're crowded on the wings there so uh yeah st louis has been amazing to roster players on but Definitely some level of concern for David Perron, not as high on him as I was at the beginning of the year. That is for certain. Yeah. And just some other folks that maybe bear mentioning here. Um, we did see, uh, Shen has recently made his return to the lineup. He put up a four point night and played 19 minutes on the top line. Uh, across on the other side of him was Ivan Barbashev, uh, who also put together a four point night. Uh, me and my opponent have them against each other. So it was a very like two Spider-Men pointing at each other kind of situation. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly had a great night on that top line. Um, so yeah, the, the options abound certainly, uh, in St. Louis. And, you know, I think Perron is going to hit a few of those shots and he might become an appealing option there later on. I would not be in a, in a big hurry to drop him, as you said. Um, one quick correction. I did earlier say that Captain had a goal and assist. It looks like two assists. And I did want to very briefly mention one kind of mini cold streak. It's only a game, but after a really nice initial game for Tukarask, uh, he had a really rough outing, uh, allowing five goals to Carolina in the first period. Uh, the Bruins did look pretty lackadaisical. I don't think that all falls uh, on Tuka, but it is uh, certainly a, a rough data point for us after uh, a very nice two-goal-against outing uh, to start. 
to see him give up five in the first and get replaced. So, uh, took owners hang in there. Uh, you know, the team's not going to give up on him that quickly. I think he's got a fair amount of leash, but definitely a tough outing in a week where some of these early, uh, goalie starts have just been really catastrophic. Took a hard L tonight, I'd say. Absolutely. All right, Lewis, that's all the time that we have for tonight. Thank you all for sticking with us through this long shift. Lewis, thank you for hanging out with me tonight, and I look forward to getting back in the saddle on Thursday. Yes, a total pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone who came along and joined us. Uh, we want to uh, remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK. You can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave from the Stream Scheme, who is off to another great start to his Stream Scheme week, is at NHL Stream Scheme. We've got the whole suite of game day lines uh, accounts that are really excellent. They're kind of all that you need to get your news and your goalie starts. Uh, so check those out as well. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Short.